The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 55 to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from of old, Selah, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. All right, we're in Joshua 14, 1 through 5. This is entitled, No Part to the Levites. It's not as long of a sermon as I normally do. Only five verses, but... uh, Uh, I hope that you'll enjoy it. It's one of my favorites so far from the book of Joshua. Verse 1, these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in. 
with their common lands for their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. In 1972, the Miami Dolphins under coach Don Shula had what became known as the perfect season. They went 14-0. and Many of the players became household names. I was about this big. I didn't like sports, and yet I remember most of the names of those people, even to this day. Bob Greasy and Larry Zonka and going on and on. Mercury Morris. I remember watching them and being excited about the team, despite not really caring much about sports. One kind of gets caught up in something like that. But despite having a perfect season, each player was imperfect, and each game had its own flaws. There were fumbles, there were interceptions, and so on. And so there's the dichotomy between the imperfect team and their perfect season. The two are seemingly at odds with one another, and yet they really aren't. Out of imperfection, perfection arose. The Bible shows us what is perfect and what is flawed. At times, it shows us this explicitly. At times, it does so in veiled ways. It also shows us how something that is seemingly imperfect can be made perfect. We'll see something along those lines in our verses today. Our text verse comes from Job 25. It's verses 4 through 6. How then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot and a son of man who is a worm? Despite often not speaking rightly about the Lord, the questions of Bildad the Shuhite are still valid. How can man who is by nature unrighteous be considered righteous before God? In understanding the work of Christ, we can know that with God, it is possible. How can a person who is born of a woman be pure? Being a human implies bearing sin, simply because sin is transmitted from father to child. So how can one who is born of a woman be pure? With God in Christ, that too is possible. As for stars not being pure in the sight of God, that depends on the nature and meaning of the word star. One thing that is tainted and impure can be emblematic of another thing that is not. We have seen that in typology innumerable times in our study of the Old Testament. For example, Joshua may have been a fallen and sinful man, but he could still anticipate and picture the perfect, unblemished Lord Jesus. Likewise, despite the imperfection of the individual members of the team, the Miami Dolphins were still able to have the perfect season. This sermon is entitled, No Part to the Levites, but that is only in relation to a tribal land grant, one that reveals imperfection. And yet, in the imperfection of the land inheritance of the tribes of Israel, there is still a note of a double measure of spiritual perfection. How? Well, stick around and we'll evaluate the matter. Nifty things such as this are to be found in his superior word. And so let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today. And may his glorious name ever be praised. Our first of only two thoughts today is, and they divided the land. It's all five of our verses. Verse one, these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. After designating the inheritance east of the Jordan to the three and one half tribes, the narrative now turns to the inheritance in the land of Canaan proper. 
This is the land, verse 1 continues, which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. It is of note that Eliezer, God has helped, is placed prior to Joshua. The Lord is salvation. The reason for this goes back to Joshua's inauguration. Here's what it says in Numbers 27. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. Eliezer is the one to determine the will of the Lord. He then conveys that will to Joshua. One must know the will of the Lord prior to abiding by that will. In the case of the division of the land, it will come from the Lord through the hand of Eliezer. From there, Joshua will oversee the process and direct it through the fathers of the tribes. The word translated as tribe, mate, signifies the genealogical aspect of the tribe rather than the political aspect. As for the fathers of the tribes, it is rather surprising that they have already been named and designated for this purpose all the way back in Numbers chapter 34. Although that passage was not too long before entrance into Canaan, the narrative now follows after seven years of war within the land. And yet, it can be assumed that they have all survived in order to receive their inheritance and portion it out to their tribes. Were it not so, a replacement would have been named. Verse 2, their inheritance was by Lot. Begorau Nahalatam. In Lot, their inheritance. This is now the first of 26 times that the Goral, or Lot, will be mentioned in the book of Joshua. The word comes from an unused root meaning to be rough, such as a stone. Hence, it is a pebble used for the purpose of determining lots. At times, it is used to indicate a portion or a destiny, such as, this is my lot in life. Verse 2 continues, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribe. This is what was specifically detailed in Numbers 34, 16 through 29, and which was summed up with the words, These are the ones the Lord commanded to divide the inheritance among the children of Israel in the land of Canaan. Hence, the narrative now is given to show strict obedience to the word set forth by the Lord through Moses. Notably, in those verses, however, there is no mention of Reuben, Gad, or the other half-tribe of Manasseh. The reason for that is, verse 3, for Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan. This was specifically stated in Numbers 34, verses 14 and 15. Their land had been subdued and the inheritance was given, provided they helped the other tribes to subdue their inheritances west of the Jordan. What is notable concerning these stated allotments is that though there are 12 tribes recorded as having received an inheritance, there are actually 13 land allotments. Two and one half east of the Jordan, that's three. Nine and one half west of the Jordan, that is ten. The number 13 in scripture signifies rebellion, apostasy, defection, corruption, disintegration, revolution, or some kindred idea. That's from Bollinger. 
This is pretty much the constant theme of Israel throughout their years, isn't it? The number of their inheritances forms a picture of their attitude and their conduct before the Lord. Despite this, there is one more tribe to consider. Verse 3 continues, But to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. This defines the 14th division, which is spread among the 13 divisions. This is the third time in just two chapters that this has been stated. Levi is given no land inheritance. However, I'm going to read you all three of these from Joshua 13, 14. Only to the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. And then from 1333, but to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said to them. And then from 14.3, but to the Levites, he had given no inheritance among them. And so, despite there being no land inheritance for Levi, there actually is an inheritance for them. As such, the number of inheritances now extends to 14. The number Bollinger defines as a double measure of spiritual perfection and the number associated with the incarnation. One can see that despite Israel's rebellion and apostasy in the earthly realm, because of Levi, the Lord has placed his stamp upon them in the spiritual realm. The wisdom of God is carefully revealed in everything that is seen in these tribal allotments. Next, the note of how one tribe became two is stated again. Verse 4, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. If this were not detailed in scripture, there would be an imperfection of division, both as tribes and in land grants. However, Jacob adopted the two sons of Joseph, thus giving him a double portion of land. But this then brings in another multiplication of 14. Though there are 12 natural sons of Jacob, there are 14 reckoned to Israel. 12, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. 14, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, meaning Manasseh and Ephraim, and Benjamin. This then corresponds to 12, 14 apostles. 12, Simon Peter, Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Lebaeus, who is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot. 14. Simon Peter, Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Lebaeus, who is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, replaced by Matthias, and Paul. As for the imperfection of the land inheritance for Israel, that is seen in the next words. Verse 4 continues, And they gave no part to the Levites in the land. This is based upon what has already been repeatedly said and which was noted again in verse 3. No tribal land inheritance is given to the tribe of Levi because they were spread out among the tribes as those who minister the law among the people. This was first prophesied by Jacob in Genesis chapter 49. Here's what he said to his son, Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox 
Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Because of what they did in Genesis 34, by killing the males in Shechem, Jacob prophesied over these two sons that they would be divided and scattered. Though seemingly a negative, the reason for their scattering within Israel occurs for Levi because of their bravery before the Lord at the time when Israel made the golden calf to worship. That is recorded in Exodus chapter 32. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp. And let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man is opposed to his son and his brother. Levi took up arms against his own brothers. This was reckoned to them as the reason for a particular blessing from the Lord, which is that he would be their inheritance. To understand that, one must then understand how this came about. At the Exodus, the Lord killed the firstborn of Egypt including both man and beast. He spared them in Israel, though, didn't he? The law of the firstborn, because of this, was enacted. It says in Exodus 13, And it shall be, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? That you shall say to him, By strength of the hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt." The firstborn of all belonged to the Lord and was to be sacrificed to him. To avoid the obvious difficulties of such a situation, the firstborn males were to be redeemed. Next, in Numbers, the selection of the Levites in place of the firstborn of Israel was made. Hence, they would belong solely to the Lord and not be reckoned for a tribal land inheritance. It's a little long. Numbers 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them, to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purification on them, and so let them shave all their body, and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel." 
So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel and the Levites shall be mine. After that, the Levites shall go in to serve the tabernacle of meeting. So you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering. Here's the important part of those verses concerning what we're talking about now. Starting in verse 16, for they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have taken them for myself instead of all who open the womb the firstborn of all the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them to myself. I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and to make atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. At that time, it still had not been recorded that Levi would receive no land inheritance. That is first seen in Numbers chapter 18. Here's what it says there. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance." Therefore, I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. As is seen there, it is Aaron, meaning the priestly class, who was told that he would receive no land inheritance and that Levi would be attached to them in the service of the Lord. The Levites were to stand between the people and the priests in the service of the tabernacle while the priests ministered between the people and the Lord. Because of this service, those tithes that were presented to the Lord as a heave offering, meaning the third year tithes were to belong to the Levites. These tithes were considered the Lord's portion. As such, it is said that the Lord is Levi's inheritance. From this tithe of the land, the Levites were then to offer up a tenth of that for the priests. Here's what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. And your heave offerings shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the wine press. 
Thus, you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes which you receive from the children of Israel. And you shall give the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all of your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them. Therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. What is presented to the Levites is a tithe to the Lord. What is then presented to the priests, the tithe of the tithe, is reckoned as if it was the actual produce of the Levites, even though they had no land inheritance. Everybody see that? They don't have a land inheritance, but it is as if it is a land inheritance. Therefore, even though they had no land grant, those tithes from the third year tithes are given as if they had their own land. With this understood, the reason for their receiving no land inheritance is more perfectly seen. Their siding with the Lord at the incident of the golden calf became the defining moment which fulfilled the prophecy of Jacob and which allowed them to receive the Lord as their inheritance. Moses spoke of this as he blessed the tribes before his death. In his blessing upon Levi, a portion of his words said from Deuteronomy 33, it's verse 9, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. To more perfectly understand Moses' words, those lines from Deuteronomy concerning Levi should be re-examined. This is directly quoted from that Deuteronomy sermon. Who says of his father and mother, Levi is referred to by a verb prefixed by an article. Ha-omer le-aviv u le-imo. The sayer to his father and to his mother. Here it is referring to Levi as if he is an individual, a collective in the singular. He says... I have not seen them. It is singular. Lo reitiv. Not I have seen him. The mother is the wife of the father, and so the singular stands for both the father and mother. The father and the mother are there, but it is as if they are not seen and they are not regarded. The same attitude is again seen in the next words. Nor did he acknowledge his brothers. Ve'et echav lo And his brothers no regard. Moses says that even though Levi had brothers, his mind was not on them when called to do what he must do. Moses is making a point about Levi's priorities. Moses next says, or know his own children. Ve'et banav lo yada, and sons no, no. Any children of Levi are as if they are not even his when he is called to act. Levi doesn't see the parents before him, doesn't regard the brothers around him, and he doesn't know his own sons. Despite them being the closest of family relationships, Moses speaks of Levi's priorities. What is it that Levi has put first? To tell us, Moses now slips into the plural. For they have observed your word. Ki shameru imrateha. For they have heeded your word. The plural now speaks of the people of the tribe. They are Levi, but they are also Levites. 
the actions of the people are being highlighted. The word of the Lord takes precedence over even the closest of family relationships. If parents, siblings, or even children come between a person and the Lord, they are to be overlooked, disregarded, and treated as a stranger. Nothing can come between the faithful and the word of the Lord. Levi accepted the premise and applied it and kept your covenant. And your covenant they have guarded. The covenant of the Lord, which is based upon the word of the Lord, must take priority. To not heed it is to find death. To heed it is to find life. All family relations will end, but the covenant and the word remain. Levi was presented with a choice at the time of the golden calf, and they chose the side of the Lord. Levi put the word of the Lord and his covenant first. They went throughout the camp without recognizing faces, and they slew any who came before them. Because of this, they and those attached to them were granted the high honor of the priestly class. Their zeal for the Lord was a highlight among all of the failings of Israel, and indeed, all of the failings of Levi, including those of Moses and Aaron. What they did was a demonstration of what the Lord finds pleasing above all else, meaning faith in him and attendance to his word. It is for this reason that Levi was especially chosen to not receive any land inheritance. There is a perfection in the numbering of the tribes, 14, and an imperfection in the number of earthly land grants, 13, that only becomes perfect when the Lord is included in the inheritance. Think of yourself in your own redemption, revealed through the spiritual inheritance of Levi. One might ask, how can perfection come from imperfection? Indeed, it was essentially the question implied in the red heifer sacrifice, and it is implied here again in the designation of land grants. The answer is, when the Lord is involved, that which is imperfect can be perfected. In this case, it is because of the separation of Levi and yet the inclusion of Levi. They were not counted for a land grant. However, they were given property. Verse 4 continues, except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. This is dealt with several times, but the provision for Levitical cities is found in Numbers 35. Great, great sermon. Go back and watch. No, the sermon, great passage. Forget it. I don't want to brag about the sermon. Go back and watch the passage. All right, Numbers 35. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give the Levites cities to dwell in from the inheritance of their possession. And you shall also give the Levites common land around the cities. They shall have the cities to dwell in, and their common land shall be for their cattle, for their herds, and for all their animals. The common land of the cities which you give the Levites shall extend from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. And you shall measure outside the city on the east side two thousand cubits, on the south side two thousand cubits, on the west side two thousand cubits, and on the north side two thousand cubits. The city shall be in the middle." This shall belong to them as common land for the cities. And again, in the next verses, the Lord designated some of their cities as cities of refuge and then designated the total number of cities to be given them. Here's what it says. Now among the cities which you will give to the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge to which a manslayer may flee. And to these you shall add 42 cities. So all the cities you will give the Levites shall be 48 
These you shall give with their common land, and the cities which you will give shall be from the possession of the children of Israel. From the larger tribe you shall give many, from the smaller you shall give few. Each shall give some of its cities to the Levites in proportion to the inheritance that each receives. All of these cities will be named and appointed in the coming chapters of Joshua. Just today I got an email from somebody, actually it was a message, and it says, have you done the sermons from Joshua 14 through Joshua 19 yet? And I said, yes, I typed Joshua 19, 1 through 9, I believe, this past Monday. And he said, I don't know how you've done a sermon out of those passages. It is all borders. That's all it is. It's just borders, borders, borders. How are you going to do a sermon out of that? Well, Sergio, pay attention and you'll find out. (laughs) However... The fact that they received no tribal inheritance is most appropriately dealt with now, before the division of the lands to the other tribes. With that noted and understood, this section is complete with the words of verse 5, finishing with, As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. This is a preemptory statement anticipating the actual division of the land as recorded in the coming chapters. Each step of the process is logical and necessary to first lay the framework for what is anticipated and then to actually comply with the command that was given by the Lord through Moses. You shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. Upon your priesthood it shall fall. Those who are unclean but who come to me, you shall bear it for one and all. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that terrible cross that no wrath may come upon those who belong to me, you shall bear it, and of them there shall be no loss. Behold, I have taken you from among all the firstborn. Only you are the first begotten of me. Your body shall be bruised, and it shall be torn, but through it you shall make holy those for my sanctuary. Our second thought today is pictures of Christ. The division of the land is an obvious anticipation of Christ's dividing the inheritance to the saints. The dividing is said to be by Eliezer, whom God helps. Joshua, the Lord is salvation, the son of Nun, which means propagate or increase, and the fathers of the tribes. In Numbers 27, it noted that Eliezer would inquire before the Lord for Joshua at the judgment of the Urim, meaning lights. Although it cannot be known for certain, it seems likely, based on that number's passage, that this is what is used as the lot for determining the land divisions. In type, Jesus is both the high priest of the new covenant and the leader of the people of God, fulfilling both roles. It indicates that he is the one who obtains the revelation from God and who then exercises the authority over what God has determined. So he's filling the role of Eliezer. He's fulfilling the role of Joshua. Once the will of the Lord is known, Jesus in his mediatorial role, then Jesus in his role as the Savior carries through with the action. And both of these anticipate Christ in his deity who both knows and then performs the counsels of God. As noted in verse 3, the combination of the tribes east and west of the Jordan comes to 13 land allotments. The number reflects the state of the people, steeped in rebellion, apostasy, and so on. However, in the same verse, the Levites are mentioned, noting that they have no inheritance among Israel. And yet, that must be taken in light of the other verses that indicate that they do 
have an inheritance, just not a land inheritance. Their inheritance is the Lord. Within Levi are the priests and the Levites. The priests anticipate Christ in his priestly role. The Levites anticipate Christ representing the firstborn. The offerings to and of the tabernacle have all been seen to anticipate Christ. He is the first and the best of all of those things offered. In Christ, God has given them as a gift to the world. Levi, being the 14th inheritance, is like the glue that makes everything else bind together. In Levi, as Bollinger noted, is the double measure of spiritual perfection and the anticipation of the incarnation. As noted in verse 3, despite Israel's rebellion and apostasy in the earthly realm, 13 tribes, because of Levi, the Lord has placed his stamp upon Israel in the spiritual realm, 14 tribes. This is only an anticipation of Jesus who actually performs these functions. He is the one who makes the inheritance both possible and complete for Israel and thus for all people. In verse 4, it mentioned Joseph being divided into two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. In remembering the meaning of the names, the anticipations of Christ are seen. Joseph is derived from two words that indicate he shall add and take away. Joseph then anticipates Christ who takes away man's reproach and then adds him to God's people. He is divided then into Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means to forget, but it also means from a debt. He pictures Christ who came to pay Adam's debt and who in the process allows that debt to be forgotten before God. Ephraim means twice fruitful, but it also means ashes. He pictures Jesus. He is twice fruitful in the land of his affliction, prevailing over the law and thus becoming the savior of both Jew and Gentile. But his work also meant that sin was judged in him, thus the ashes signifying his afflictions. The specific inclusion of the names of Joseph and his sons is given as a reminder of what the Lord has done and how it is revealed in the assignment of the tribal inheritances. Without this reminder, the perfection of the numbering of the tribes for the land inheritance would not be properly aligned as it should be. But with its inclusion, the typology for our own spiritual inheritances is revealed. And then it immediately gave the reminder that Levi had no part in the land. Because Levi, who anticipates Christ, has the Lord as their inheritance, there's no need for a land grant. Likewise, the only thing Christ is said to inherit is found in Hebrews 1 verse 4, where he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. This is a note that through his resurrection, he has proved that he is the son of God and thus the full inheritance of the father belongs to him. In other words, just as the Lord is Levi's inheritance, so the Lord is Jesus' inheritance. What belonged to the Lord from Israel passed to and through Levi. What belongs to the Lord from redeemed humanity passes to and through Jesus. In verse 4, it noted that despite not having a land inheritance, Levi was given cities to dwell in. This was detailed in Numbers 35. These cities are interspersed throughout all of Israel on both sides of the Jordan. As seen, the allocation of these will be detailed later in Joshua. But the sense of this is that if Levi anticipates Christ in so many ways, this must as well. And that is stated by Paul in 2 Corinthians 6. Excuse me, in 2 Corinthians 6, which says, I will dwell in them and walk 
among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The actual residing of Levi among Israel was to keep the people's focus, understanding, and thoughts concentrated on the Lord. They were to minister to the people in the things of the Lord, keeping them properly educated in the law and so forth. Someday the fulfillment of that will be seen when we dwell in heaven and Christ dwells in us and among us. Everything mentioned about Levi throughout the books of Moses and now into Joshua is given to help us understand the work of Christ on our behalf and then to point us to our relationship with God because of him. Every detail concerning Levi as a tribe, their duties, concerning their inheritance, all of it is given to anticipate is given in anticipation of Christ to come. It is an incredible thing to consider. But it's not unexpected. God used this imperfect tribe that is a portion of the imperfect people known as Israel to reveal to us the perfection of Christ Jesus. That is what he has come to do. What an amazing thing he has done. And in his doing and what amazing thing he has done and is doing in his word as we travel through it. From one turn of the page to the next, there is a continuous stream of wonder and delight. Thank God for his precious word and thank God for Jesus Christ who is revealed in that word. Thank God for Jesus Christ our Lord. You wonder why we started in Genesis and we're up to Joshua and we've gone through every verse. It's because we could not understand what's happening in Joshua right now unless we went through those. Now, we could go back and read those passages and say, well, I, I got this and I got that. But I got to tell you what, unless you did a proper study of the ties, you would never come to the conclusion that ties are laid out the way they are because they're all mistranslated, all of them. There's not a single version that we went through in the tithe verses that gives the article when it should and leaves it out when it shouldn't. Instead, they say the tithe when it says tithe. And then they say tithe when it says the tithe. And you can't get the sense of what's going on. And all of that had to be understood before we got to this about Levi. All of the sacrifices, the fat over the fatty lobe of the liver is burned on the altar. Why? Because it pictures Jesus. This part of the animal isn't burned. It's given as a offering to Aaron. Why? Because that pictures Jesus. Everything pictures Jesus. And God is slowly and meticulously revealing this to us. So that we don't make the error and say, I'm going to go sit in a church that Jim was talking about earlier, where they give you a happy, sappy sermon and then you go home. You're no better off. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to brag about this church. I mean to brag about the word of God. That's what, I don't care if you go to another church that opens the Bible and goes verse by verse. That's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in the word of God because a sappy sermon is not going to bring you closer in relationship to God. It's going to make you feel good for the day. You're going to forget it and that's going to be it. I always say you're going to remember two things out of any given sermon. Now today, unfortunately, you're going to remember that the Miami Dolphins had a perfect season back in 1971. <laughs> That's why I don't like that type of an opening because it's going to stick in your mind and you're not going to remember this content. But that's okay. I had to give you something to help you understand what is going on. Perfection has come out of imperfection. You are sitting here today if you have called on Jesus and in God's eyes, you are perfect. There's nothing that God sees that is imperfect in you. And yet here you are sitting in imperfection, the number 13. You're corrupt. You're in all the things that Bollinger said. That's what we are. But because of God being in the equation, 
pictured by Levi, we are perfect in God's eyes. That's how he sees us, because of Christ. Please remember this. And if you haven't called on Jesus, I have to do it again. Jesus died for your sins, meaning you're a sinner. You're imperfect. But he can perfect you if you believe that he died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again, proving that he is God and that your sin is buried forever. Please call on Jesus, and you will be saved. That's all you need to do. There's nothing you can add to it without diminishing the glory of what he has already done. Please call on Jesus. Our closing verse comes from Romans chapter 3. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Perfection out of imperfection. Thank God for Jesus Christ. Next week, Joshua 14, 6 through 15. What is recorded in the Bible about Joshua is pretty swell. It's entitled, you know what, I should change that. What is recorded in the Bible about Caleb is pretty swell. It's entitled, He Wholly Followed the Lord God of Israel. That'll be our 30th Joshua sermon. It's referring to Caleb. Sorry about that. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. And so follow him and trust him, and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? I've got a poem to read you. It's a real long one, five verses. Okay, before I do that, though, I've got a question for you. You better, like last week, please raise your hand, because two people are going to get this. Maybe three. What was it? Raise your hand. What was it that Ahab coveted, and who did it belong to? Hey, there you go. I didn't tell you what the prize was. It was um, this, this old note. Here. <laughs> $15 gift certificate. Okay, that'll be waiting right there for you. All right, very good. That, went, that hand went up so fast, I thought she was going to throw it out of its socket. It, whoa, there goes this arm over across. Wow. Two other people raised. Did anybody raise their hand before? I saw her and somebody else. But her, she had hers up before you. I, did you have hers up before, yours before her? Okay, well, we're going to give you credit for it. Did you get it right? Okay, so I... T and what did I say? Two or maybe three people, one, two, and they're all ladies. Guys, read your Bible. Okay. Guys, memory differently. Way differently. Okay, no part to the Levites. These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, land where they could sing and dance which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed them as an inheritance. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded, so he did prescribe by the hand of Moses for nine tribes plus Manasseh's half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe for their living on the other side of the Jordan, but to the Levites he had no inheritance among them given. Excuse me. Whew. For the children of Joseph were formed tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land, except cities to dwell in with their common lands, for their livestock and their property, just as was planned. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land, laying out the grid. Lord God, turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. 
Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true, and we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah, we shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that perfection can come out of our imperfection. Our unclean state, our rebellion against you, the things that we have done in this life that have offended you, a holy God, the holy God, and yet you perfect us because of your love for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you. And thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Forgive us for adding baggage onto it and and making it something that it is not. It is a simple thing that you have done for us to simply ask us to believe just faith. Thank you for that. And I know it's a hard thing for people to accept, but it's your word, and so we must accept it, and that too is by faith. Thank you for your precious word, and thank you for Jesus, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I've got one more for you right here, because I, I saw those hands go up, and I, I couldn't focus on both of them, and I, I thought her arm was going to pop out of its socket. It was just terrible. Oh, my gosh. Poor girl, walking around armless. 